I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong. Where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Hey, 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 or as I like to say, hey, y'all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is hard to believe that this is the last show for the year and the decade. Oh, my gosh, time just flies. Like, it just really, really flies. As I'm someone who likes to capture moments, I was thinking... No better time than now to capture a few highlights for this decade and just share them all with you. I think this actually be really cool to kind of come back to one day as well and just listen to. As a first generation college graduate, one of the things that life has taught me is how incredibly important it is to just stop and smell the roses, to celebrate the milestones and just really to be intentional about seeing one success, which is really funny because I can't say that I ever saw myself where I am today because truthfully, I didn't have a clear vision of what my life would look like because college is actually the thing that changed what life could look like for me. It changed how I saw the world, what I thought about opportunities, what I thought about where I could go and things I could do and the access I could have. But it also changed how it saw me being a first-generation college, I mean, a woman, a black woman, an overweight woman, a woman from a low ACS background. I somehow feel like education helped open doors for me that otherwise I don't really believe would have been opened. So I also didn't think that I'd ever get married. And when I started college some years ago, I had no concept of education, of higher education at that So I thought that the four-year degree was it. So it's crazy, again, how much I have learned, how much I have evolved. And again, just thinking about where I am today and where I was a decade ago. And I think this decade has been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun because it has been filled with youth and exploration and adventure and just all the things you can think like, man, I really did that. And it's been really nice to just kind of go back and say, oh, man, that happened, (laughs) which is really like awesome. So when I was doing the list initially, I did it the first time and I was just kind of thinking like, oh, that was easy. Like I just had 10 things. I'm like, oh, these have been big things. Then I really sat down to just really say, hey, what has happened this year or not just this year, but again, over the past 10 years. And I was talking to the other Dr. Hudson. And I found myself feeling like, yo, I can't believe that happened. How did I forget that? Not that those things weren't significant, but in the midst of things that came to the surface first as highlights, I realized that I was really kind of kicking myself in the butt, condensing myself to 10 or keeping myself at 10 things. But really, it's also kind of like the unique challenge of saying, what are the really special moments that you've had over the past decade and that you feel kind of noteworthy and things that have shaped you into who you are. And these questions I asked myself, so I was like, huh, 
I think I'm going to go with these 10, but I'm actually going to combine <laughs> a list and deliver these to you. And yes, I'm doing 10, not nine, right? But you know, I have something with nine coming sooner than later. So hold your horses. So yeah. So anyway, want to share 10 things with you that I feel have been highlights of my decade and in a positive way, because again, it's all about being empowered here and again, discovering of self. And I'm honestly still working through some of the things that may have been more traumatic and just want to continue to hold those things for myself just to be for real with you so yeah let's get into it number one I graduated from college and I moved to another state which meant for me I was in another time zone as well I was about 11 hours from home I moved I had no family no friends where I was going I just jumped and did my thing right after school and within that decade or within this decade not only did I move out I moved back to North Carolina so that was very cool and I remember telling my mom when I went off to college some years ago I'm never moving back home but I didn't want to move back into the house although years later I did want to move back to Charlotte so I'm still going to work on that piece eventually (laughs) number two I actually took a year off from school I did not know what I wanted to do when I finished my bachelor's degree because Hey, grad school, as I just talked about earlier, was a foreign concept to me. Grad school, I thought this BA was doing it, you know, and the BA is doing it. But I had a mentor who's like, no, 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 there's more. Keep going. But even with having taken a year off, I still obtained my master's and I obtained a PhD. And in all the courses I've ever taken, I've only paid for two classes. So a really cool, fun fact, left, went to school, came back, you know, done my school thing, just school, school, school. So actually most of my decade has been spent in school as well. Not only did I go to school, but took a year off and went back to school. So it's been also interesting to navigate adulthood and transition adulthood, which I know that you all know about me starting this whole thing with being a first gen and navigating professionalism was triggered by me coming out of school. And then a few years ago, I decided to do something with it and owning that identity. So yeah, so a lot of school in the picture. Number three. So in this decade, which is really awkward to me to say this, but it's like, holy crap, I have lost over 240 pounds between having lost weight, I want to say 2011, 2012, having gained it all back, having lost it again. It's definitely been over 240 pounds. And how many exactly? I can't tell you right now because I don't know, (laughs) but I do know for sure it's been over 240. I'm almost pretty sure it's been over 250 actually. So yeah, we're going to ride with that, but very significant because in spite of having lost weight, gained it, learned the valuable lesson and then lost it again, but wasn't trying to lose it. It was lifestyle. And I think, you know, it's been really interesting to navigate the weight journey in so many ways, just kind of figuring out who you are inches and pounds and even again how the world perceives you but how you perceive yourself and to have lost weight significant weight twice and how I've navigated as a person has been really interesting so yeah significant though very significant number four I purchased my first car and paid it off a year and a half early and I mean big deal right because hey it's just a car nah it's not just a car like it was for me a very big purchase one of my very first big purchases like I mean like literally and doing everything the way that I did it I actually was living in Mississippi at the time and took a train home to get my car to drive it back because I found my perfect car online so another fun fact and went through a credit union to get my car 
and thought that it was really an interesting process and experience, but something that I would definitely would do again. It was great, but something I can teach others. And that's what I'm most excited about. Number five, I actually got my passport in 2013. And that's not the most significant part of number five for me, but I'm putting this out there for what I'm about to say. So got my passport in 2013, didn't know anything about a damn passport, like a passport, what's that? (laughs) That was really my thought process until I had a friend that got married and we were going to their wedding and then it just pushed me and make sure you get your passport. I'm like, a passport, huh? But how ironic, my husband had a passport. He's like, oh yeah, this is what you need to do, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, well, in the past decade and just, I mean, being somebody who loves travel, I have visited seven countries. I have been to 16 states, Puerto Rico and D.C. And I've also stepped foot in over 70 cities and towns. And, you know, some people are like, oh, yeah, I drove through such and such. Like, no, I've actually physically been for something to do something to be there to eat there, to go experience wine there, to visit friends there, you know, conference there, something. I have been to over 70 cities and towns, which I was like, man, I didn't realize how much travel I'd done. Like, I know I love, you know, being a road runner and I love travel, but to see that I love that and I've actually done things and I've been in and out of the country has been, you know, really, really fun. And then the other thing that makes this really ironic to me is that of the seven countries that I've been to, I've been to all with my husband. So we are some traveling fools. You know, as my grandma, they all travel, y'all some traveling fools. But hey, all good. Number six, I became an aunt. An aunt, an aunt, an aunt. I became an auntie, an auntie. Just leave me alone. <laughs> I mean, it was an aunt. Yeah, I became, I became an aunt this year. I became an aunt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what's been fun about that is this idea that I have these little people that belong to me in some way, but they're not mine. And I used to want to be like the world's greatest aunt. Now, if I am, I'm working on it because I still live out of town and that's been more or less the challenge for me is that for the past decade, I've been away from home. And by being away from home, some of the connections that I had that were deeper when I was younger aren't as deep now, but that's okay because relationships evolve. We all evolve. But in that, I have absolutely learned that I do the best that I can do given what I have and being first gen and being the person to have left home and to go away and to have not come back yet has absolutely been an interesting experience. But even in becoming an aunt, like, I'm just like, oh, okay. I keep wanting to say aunt, aunt. I like saying aunt. Some people say aunt. So maybe I say auntie. Okay. So no. So what do they say? TT. So in the South, I hear TT. Yeah. So I became a TT. Hey. So for what that's worth, it's just been really cool though. Cause I really, really love my niece and nephews who my sister had. But even with having dated my husband and becoming, you know, it's been out saying into a wife. I also had all nephews and a niece on his end. But when my sister had her first baby, it was really exciting. And then here's another interesting fact about that. I was living in Mississippi and tried to wait for her to have my first nephew and waited until the very last minute that I can wait to make my drive to Mississippi to even get to work on time. And as soon as I pulled up in the driveway when I got to Mississippi, because I just had to go, I I could not miss work. So I pulled up and my sister calls, my mom calls, one of them calls and it's like, oh, the baby's here. (laughs) So I try my best to wait. And one of those things that I think about in my mind is like, oh, that really sucked. But yeah, spending a long time on this one, but it's just been really interesting because of the identity shifts that I've experienced in the past decade. 
not, you know, academically and personally and professionally, which have all been really cool, which also leads to my next one, which is number seven. I became a fur mom. And some people like, what? You hyping up being a fur mom? Yes, I am, because I absolutely love my puppy, Maxwell Alexander Hudson. I got my puppy during a time, and he's almost two at this point, but I got him during a time where I really needed the emotional support. I was going through a whole lot and feeling a lot of ways about life and kept saying I wanted a dog, and my husband got him for me, and he has been one of the best things that has happened to me as a person. And mind you, I only ever thought that dogs were cute. Never thought about having a dog as Oh, a big responsibility, but that's something I soon learned too. And I didn't think about this thing for real. And I was asking for a dog that it will really be like having your own child, <laughs> that there would be responsibilities and feedings and potty trainings and all kinds of things that you'd have to do. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm definitely getting around for my money with this one. But what I will say is that it's been really exciting to have my dog because it's shown me a different side of who I am as well. Just as a person, how I think about the world, my level of patience with people and things around me is really cool to experience and just kind of knowing like the level of affection that you can have for another that's not even a human being. So again, something else relationship oriented that has been really significant in my life. And I'm just thinking like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah, so let me move on into number eight. I started a business and launched a podcast and finally moved into my career as a motivational speaker, which I like, I knew this was on the agenda at some point in life, but at this point, uh -uh, wouldn't have saw it, like ever saw it this early, maybe 50, maybe 60. And so saying that to say how grateful I am that one, I found the courage to step out and do something that I really love to do, that I've been willing to make the sacrifice to learn, to evolve, to really just put myself out there because I don't want to wait until I get to the end of my life to enjoy it and to do things that I love. I want to do things now, which has been really like important to me. So to you all, you know, who are listening to this, just think about the things that are important to you and things that matter and that bring you that zest in life that you want and don't waste time doing those things like really. And to add to this number eight category, uh, that includes having done two tours and having released two publications. And I'm actually working on the third one now. So your girl's been busy, but again, very, very cool. And I don't know, can we count my dissertation as a third publication? So maybe I've got three and I'm working on the fourth. All right, let's go with it. Number nine, again, relationship oriented, but I took my first trip with my mom and actually did that this year. And you're like, your first trip with your mom? Y'all haven't been anywhere? Like, no, we went on our first trip together, like, by ourselves. And it was so cool to me because of how much we have evolved as a mother and daughter. I put it in the book that there were some things with my mom and I growing up that I didn't necessarily prefer, but that was just me being me and I have the right to be. But with that in mind, there were things about our relationship that were strained to be very candid with you. But my mom was a single parent working three jobs, sometimes four, trying to provide for three kids. And as a teenager, I didn't understand the sacrifice she was making. So I'm really grateful for how our relationship has evolved and what we have become over the years, which is like, okay, this is really, really exciting for me. And my mom is super awesome. 
and I really enjoy being with her and being around her and having become somebody who I mean, I feel like a friend, like I can respect her as a mom and, you know, but that's my mom's my best friend. Like, yeah, I'm one of those people. Now my mom's my best friend. So it is a very, very beautiful thing to know that we have such an amazing relationship and it warms every bit of my heart. She has no doubt become one of my sheroes. Actually, she is my shero. So that's what that is. So my number nine, you know, nine is special to me. So shout out to you, mom. And then 10. Oh, 10. And y'all know I love 10 too. Why? Because of King 10, my hubby, which my number 10 is in the decade. I met the love of my life, got engaged to the love of my life, and I married him. And it's just so funny because I'm thinking like, gosh, dude, it's been like 10 years almost since we met each other. 10 years in 2020 and been together like almost nine and it's just like we've known each other at this point for nine just wow (laughs) you know like um how the time flies but thinking about every single significant thing that I've experienced over the past decade I've gotten to experience with him and I've gotten to see what my life has become even in sharing it with somebody else not to say that things are you know perfect ever but they have absolutely been worth it And when I, again, look back over my life, like what a joy to have such significant moments to happen and to have somebody to be there with me, cheering me on, being support in a a good, an intelligent, very well-mannered black man from Mississippi. Like I say those things and emphasize it because sometimes the perception that the world has, especially of black men and then black men from the South, but he is phenomenal in so many ways and just, again, really, really cool. And we talked about, you know, the love for travel, a fun fact. Me and the hubs actually got married in Montego Bay, Jamaica. I had actually been planning a wedding for over a year with him, driving myself crazy, driving him crazy and realized that's just not what I wanted. Like, I'm, this is absolutely not what I want, but I was trying to follow more traditional paths. And it's like, all my friends are like, yeah, you're so not traditional. Like, remember that? But I'm like, oh, well, it just seemed like the thing to do. But I had the absolute best time of my life. Just the two of us went and we did a vacay wedding and it was really amazing. Even had a white dress, which I was originally not planning to get, but hey, things happen. And, you know, I just, again, have no regrets in what this decade has been. So again, everything from moving out of the state to moving back, getting degrees, losing weights, you know, traveling, becoming an aunt, fur mom, business things like, oh my gosh, the past 10 years have been so full, which is bringing me to this point. You have to remember that every little thing in life adds up. So as the years go by, don't forget to stop and reflect on what's behind you, but also continue to dream about what's ahead of you. You can see that there's so much, you know, promise in your life and so much promise in who you are if you just stop and pay attention. Uh, sometimes when we get in funks in life, it's so easy to just fester on all of the bad stuff that's happened. And then we miss sight of all of the goodness. And I choose goodness. And then I'd say this to you, too. As you're reflecting on this last decade and thinking about the decade ahead, I want to tell you that you've got the juice, but reality is that you, my friend, are the juice. Like, you are the juice. Remember that. Like, people want to sip, sip, you it. (laughs) But hey, it is what it is. So, yeah. So, three things that I hope for the years ahead, you know, because why just reflect on what it's been, you know, thinking about the years ahead in a way that I wasn't able to think about when I was just a young 
a young, vibrant college graduate. <laughs> and three things I, I hope for now is that I definitely look forward to expanding the First Gen Lounge crew, being able to hire and build this platform, you know, even greater than what it is. And then I absolutely have a dream of having over 1 million downloads one day on this podcast. I know how niche this is, so it's not like it's just, you know, business or to an entrepreneurship kind of thing or real estate, being first-generation college students, graduates and entrepreneurs is very specific, but I know we're out there and I know we're there and we're doing it. As a matter of fact, I was looking at some stuff I wrote for like social media content last year and ran across a post from December 3rd where I was shouting you all out December 3rd of 2018 that I was shouting you all out for having soared past 7,000 downloads And by the time you hear this show, we would have broken 29,000 downloads. Crazy in a year's time that it's quadrupled the downloads. And so that's just a testament to the fact that there's something happening out there. And I am incredibly grateful. And the one million downloads isn't about, you know, a status thing as much as it's about knowing that people are getting the goodness of what we are offering through the First Gen Lounge, that the stories are mattering, that the people are connecting, that we are building a community. That's what this is all about and it is wow like and I say wow I was like oh my gosh is it four times oh my gosh hey hey look at this like, I got so excited about it um yeah so my second thing is that I want to be financially free meaning that all of my debts are cleared and I would love to hit the millionaire and beyond status and I just feel like not even for selfish reasons that I want to be a millionaire but the more I'm able to do in this life the more I can do in this life and honestly you know it in, in spite of how some people just want to have status, you know, financially so they can live a luxurious life. I would absolutely love to experience things in life and some of the finer things perhaps, but definitely I know that with the monetary bonuses of the work that I do to continue to be able to employ people, be it that it's contracted, bring on a staff, being able to give back, doing scholarships, so many things that I just want to be able to help others along the way. So be financially free, but also hit that millions and millions, you know, that would be nice. But if it doesn't happen, I know, hey, sh- aim high, aim high. Well, we're going to see. I mean, if not this, this 10 years, the next 10 years after that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, you know, since we talked about travel being a really big thing, my third one is that I want to touch every continent that's actually possible to touch because travel makes me feel so alive. Experiencing new culture makes me feel really good and want to be able to just really just get out there and see things, which is really funny because when I was talking to you all earlier about all the travel that I've done, that hadn't even been just like limited to speaking. Like I want to say the speaking travel has been the past couple of years. All the other travel was just, I'm going because I want to go or if there's a conference or like I said, I'm going to see somebody. So really interesting that, oh my gosh, imagine where I can go and what I could do, you know, with this platform continuing to just move and shake and the people who are out there to be touched and help being able to show up. Yeah, so this has been really fun to do. Gosh, I just feel so like, uh, man, emotional, but in a good way because it's like this has been a crazy ass ride, but one that I wouldn't change for anything in this world. So even like once the show is done, I like for you to head over and check out the session notes which there is a link in this episode description for you to get to. And I would love for you to leave a comment and tell us some of the things that have been highlights for you for this decade and maybe share a few things that you hope for the years ahead, uh, which would be really cool. On that note, uh, and before I go, I want to thank you again for being here. 
You matter and you are the very fiber of what makes the First Gen Lounge such a special place. Thank you for your belief in this work, for showing up each week, for telling friends, for being on the newsletter, for just coming to events, for anything you do, being a sponsor, buying the book, just for everything that you're doing because you understand the significance of being first-generation college student, graduate entrepreneur, and that you want to connect and grow together. That is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful to me. Uh, We've had some truly amazing guests this year, and I'm really looking forward to the amazing folks who will continue to join us in the days ahead. If you are somebody who's been out there listening and you have a story to tell, stop playing. We are waiting on you. And if you know someone who needs to be a guest on the show, go ahead and tell them to stop playing too. But for now, I want to leave you with a few highlights from the nine most downloaded shows of 2019. Because of you, all of this has been made possible. I love you. Session 84. First Gens in the Corporate World with Chandra Harris. And I think we're in a, in a generation now, we're in a series now where everybody wants to be like at the top and making it. But I'm telling you, those beginning moments are so essential. They're everything. When you're a beginner people don't like take your mistakes for they wouldn't really hold you against hold anything against you for your mistakes you know they're gonna say it's a mistake she's a young professional she's getting started when you're a beginner you get to have that leniency that's what i'm trying to say the leniency but when you decide to say i'm an expert at this and i'm like talking about chain at this no one's giving you any type of slack that's true <laughs> anything take some time and grow it's okay bible tells you to do not despise small beginnings telling you Small beginnings is definitely where you will find your foundation and learn so much. Always keep your workbook. And I mean, literally jot down everything that you're learning, that you're seeing, that you're growing, even your environment. You're learning something. Don't miss those moments because when you do become the person of influence or the person of leadership, you'll be able to make decisions differently. And then you'll also know like how to do it. Like you'll know what to do and how to do it. Session 74. You are the answer to someone's question with Kayla's stores. Students just unable to even envision themselves in big places like these because of mm. the surroundings. So how then do you encourage those students? So I am a storyteller. Oh, yeah. Naturally, I found that I communicate the way that I like to receive communication. And I engage with folks in a way that keeps them wanting more um, not intentionally I think it's it's really just kind of the, the passion and when I allow my passion to to speak for me um, everything else just kind of falls into place but you know when I'm speaking with my high school students I am very transparent about my story and my background because I understand the power that's in that and sometimes students really just need to hear and see that I don't know what your situation is at home at school I don't know what you're going through or what internal, you know, mental struggle you may be battling with in terms of what higher education looks like or what your identity is or who you are and where you're supposed to be going and what you're supposed to be doing in this world. I don't know any of that, but I know that for a population of first generation students specifically, underrepresented students as a whole, we have so many shared experiences that put us in a position to connect with each other. 
And so with me being transparent about my story, living in a homeless shelter, not knowing my dad. So, you know, that, that's a whole other conversation in itself in terms of, you know, being biracial and being seen by the world as black and being raised by my mom as white and not really owning or understanding any of my blackness until I get to like junior or senior year of high school and really not even being able to live within that until I get to college. Mm. And so the vulnerability that comes with sharing my story is something that allows students to see themselves in me and to see themselves in places like this. Session 81, Q&A. Three things to consider as an aspiring entrepreneur with Dr. Eve Hudson. Since I've been an entrepreneur that I just find special about a woman who's an entrepreneur because it's still and it as an entrepreneurship is a field that I say a field because I mean entrepreneurship is a category in itself. There are many entrepreneurs in different industries, but it's still this 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 world that you've got to understand. But for it to be so kick ass at times to be able to find your way through it, especially as a woman, someone who the door has traditionally been shut on as again, as a woman, as a minority, you know, fighting your way through rather through some of the, as people like to say it, the cattiness or the pettiness of being women and we can't work together. Uh, no, we really can. And I know many of my biggest supporters have been women, women of color even. So Anyway, saying all to say, I'm commending you for even having the thought, the courage, and the desire to go for something that's greater. I think that's really cool. Session 85. When people don't support your business with Dr. Eve Hudson. The first thing being that there are many reasons people may not support your business. One of them being that they're family and friends. They're not obligated to support you. You think just because you have a great idea and just because you have a vision and a plan that should come through. And even because people who may be family and friends be like, yeah, I got you. I got you. I'm a no, they are not your customer. And because they're not your customer, your ideal client, your student, whichever you prefer, they are not obligated to support you. Well, hell, even somebody who is your ideal, as we're going to talk about, aren't obligated to support you. So when you put stuff out there and you want things to work out and you're only looking at your family and friends to make things happen for you, that's unfair to them and it's unfair to you. Session 86, Throwback Thursday, Living in Alignment with Elisa Wea. Then you just kind of accept yourself for who you are. You finally stop trying to fit in or you stop trying to make yourself be something that you're not or to fit in places where you just don't fit. Mm. Um, and not saying you don't grow. So you have to be mindful, like not, it's not saying that you don't grow or that you don't look inward and like see where you can improve and be a better person. But you accept your quirks, you accept your personality, you know, you love yourself, you are those personality traits that, again, are innate in you, that are already in you, you just embrace it, you embrace what you can do and what you can't do, and who you are, and everything that's awkward and quirky and weird about you, so, and you just love it, and you embrace it, and that's just, I feel like that's being authentic, just being yourself, letting the people that love you and want to be around you find you and attract you to opportunities, the jobs, the people, the things that are for you will mm-hmm. will be attracted to you if you are in your being your authentic self. So there's no reason to force things. And I think that's another thing that's helped me to be my authentic self. Like, I don't force anything anymore. I just kind of, if it comes to me, if it happens, then great. If not, it's not for me. 
Session 83, being fly with socks with Cesar Margarito. My parents were migrant field workers, so they, mm. growing up, you know, they, we went back and forth. Um, so technically, I, I was born in Mexico, but two weeks after I was born, we moved to the States again, and I was here for my first five years of my life. Oh, wow. Okay. And then we went back to Mexico when I was five, and I was there from five to ten, right? And then moved back. And all the while, especially my dad and, and uh, sometimes my brother during the summers, they would go back and forth to, to work, right? But the reason my, my parents made the decision to move permanently to the U.S. was because they saw education as one of the primary and best ways for us to, to have a better life than they did. Mm. So that was the driving force. It was always, you know, there wasn't a, a doubt that uh, I was going to go off to college, you know, but it was a very general idea. I mean, obviously my parents being field workers, they, they knew about college and they knew that was it, but they, they didn't speak the language. They didn't know the, the process and obviously they couldn't help us navigate the system. Mm -hmm. Session 67. Bringing your ideas to life with Kimon Hines. Moving back to New York at the airport, one of the things my father told me, and I still laugh about it to this day, you know, with crying, everyone saying goodbye, all of this. My father's last words to me were, keep your focus, right? That was his words, keep your focus. And I wish I understood how powerful those words were early on rather than later on in life. Because, you know, for people who have multiple abilities, multiple gifts, you tend to be sometimes all over the place and doing so many things. And you never really focus on one thing to say, let me become excellent at this. Let me do this well, that I become an expert in this. And I think even with what finances, one of the things I realized is my money was going in so many different directions. Mm -hmm. And it came to a point where I had to say, okay, if I take all my extra money and I focus it on paying off this debt, then I'll get somewhere. Then if I focus it on saving, then I'll get somewhere. And so that's one of the lessons that I had to learn with, with my energies and my finances. If I were to focus on I'll say less things, I would get more, I would have more impact. Session 87, five productivity hacks with Dr. Eve Hudson. So when I was in graduate school, one of my things would be, if I'm working on a research paper, my thing would be to go to the library, to my corner on the very top floor <laughs> in the back where nobody was going to be. So I eliminated distractions. I had everything written down that I needed to research and I had my block of time. And I didn't even realize back grad school I was time blocking. But in terms of my system, I would sit down and I would first go through all of my articles and all of my books and journals and I would write everything down on note cards. I would then organize the note cards in a lot of cases and see what my things are, how things were able to synthesize, how I wanted to write stuff down. And then I would typically write an outline. And this was for me writing a paper. Session 69, finding an outlet with Ebony Staten virtual position that I was in, I needed an outlet. You know, I'm a very social person, but, mm -hmm. you know, I was just in my house day in and day out, you know, <laughs> my co-workers online, like, that's not cool, you know? I mean, that, you know, I mean, it's cool in a way. It has its pros and cons, but me just being a social person, I just feel like that it was my creative outlet. And so, I just took it from there, you know, I just, you know, like I said, I started an Instagram page and just kind of 
build that but along the way I just I had to meet people as well you know that was mm-hmm. it's a completely different industry that I wasn't used to at all I didn't know anyone and just collaborating with people on social media like to this day I met my design mentor Design Incredible you know and different other like designers that's in the area I wanted to collab you know because I just feel like I needed to grow you know we live in this world where everyone think that you know everyone is competition but collaboration is way greater than competition to me mm-hmm. and, and that's how you're going to grow <laughs> you know I just feel like you you're like in in any industry so don't forget to be resilient authentic and intentional at all that you do keep pressing forward all right I love you peace